children of immigrants and the children of children of immigrants are all around us. Remember Buffy the Vampire Slayer's sidekick, Faith? She's Eliza Dushku, who starred in, among other things, another Joss Whedon fan favorite, Dollhouse. Eliza's father was the child of Albanian immigrants. From when I was very young, I just remember him, you know, saying things, to, teaching us the saying, Rof Shiporia, Rof Shiporia, long live Albania, long live Albania. This episode, we talked to Eliza about a trip back to Albania, what it taught her about her father, and how he would have been different if he grew up as the child of immigrants today. We've evolved into a much more diverse society, and, and it would have been very different for him today. But first, the definition of the term first generation. You might remember last episode, I asked for people's thoughts on that, and you responded. I'm Rupa Shanoi, and this is Otherhood. One, two, three, now! Hello. Hi, Pam. This is Rupa. Hi, Rupa. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am delighted to hear from you. Van Tran is a Columbia professor. His research focuses on post-1965 immigrants and their children. I asked him what first generation means. The immigrant generation is the first generation that undertake the journey of migration. And their children is the second generation second generation in the sense that they are secondarily removed from the migration process. Those terms were created by sociologists at the University of Chicago more than 100 years ago to describe another generation of immigrants from Europe. Those sociologists noted that first-generation people tended to keep a low profile. So did their children. The third generation, though, got interested in going back to their roots and learning more about their heritage. But And this is interesting. That's not how it's working out for current first and second generation immigrants. And the reason for that is because we are much more comfortable with cultural and social differences today than we were 100 years ago. And we also are just so much more interconnected to the rest of the world. People are constantly traveling back and forth to their home country, often taking their children with them. And because of that, the children of immigrants are not only exposed to the cultural ways of their parents here in the American context, but also the actual cultural ways of their home country during visits. And that, I think, makes it much more likely that the raw materials of cultural differences continue to persist. Maybe that's why I don't feel like the label second generation fits for me. That's what I technically am. I was born in Iowa. But second generation just doesn't sound like me. <laughs> well, I must say I'm sorry for you, but um, I think that in your very response to what I just described lies the tremendous complexity and identity politics of today. And I think, you know, the best scenario would be for us to raise awareness about the multiple ways in which terms could be used, but at the same time respect how different groups and different individuals might connect to these terms slightly differently, and that's actually okay. So if I wanted to just 
you know, slide it in and call myself first generation, you'd be okay with that? Uh, I'd be okay, but you have to immediately qualify. I mean, first generation American born. Otherwise, you'd be confusing me a little bit. Van happens to be first generation himself. He was born and raised in Vietnam and Thailand, came to the States when he was 19, and naturalized in 2004. If I call myself first generation without making the caveat that I'm American born, does that take away from your experience? It does not take away from my experience, Rupa. But what it does do is that it might confuse me and it might lead me to certain cultural associations and cultural stereotypes that might not be completely accurate. Van says there are other terms academics have created since the 1960s to address the complexity of the current first and second generation experience. Technically, there's a 1.25 generation, 1.5, 1.75. Van told me all of their definitions, but it was kind of overwhelming. I was still processing that conversation when Dennis Sang called. I call myself second generation. Dennis's parents came here from China, and he grew up in Silicon Valley. He got an MBA at the Yale School of Management, and he has a totally selfless reason for calling himself second generation. For me, I consider myself second generation because they were the first to arrive, and it means that they had to endure the hardship. They had to endure the being becoming part of the culture, and they had to be the ones who sacrificed their old lives or their health or sometimes their dreams and ambitions to come here and make a better future for themselves and their kids. I don't feel personally that I have the right to call myself first generation because I didn't go through that kind of struggle. I actually led a very pleasant childhood and pleasant life and was able to take advantage of a lot of the things that they gave to me because they were the first generation to arrive. And Dennis is kind of adamant about that position when people ask him. The people who ask me to identify myself most are other immigrants uh, or other children of immigrants. And I have actually had the debate between first and second generation a lot. And typically I find myself not vehemently, but like vigorously defending my position because I have a very strong point of view about it. It's not something that I, you know, like will wear on my sleeve and be obnoxious about. But if someone chooses to start that particular discussion, then I will very vigorously defend my position. The next call came from Abdul Al-Sayed in Detroit. I told him what Van Tran had told me. The correct academic definition of first generation is the people who migrate to start new lives in this country. Um... Tell me he's wrong. Um, <laughs> okay, sorry, keep going. I mean, I, I, I think, um, you know, I, I, all, all due respect to academic thinking on the issue, and I, I think that's really important. But I think if you ask our parents where they're from, they aren't necessarily going to say, I'm from America, right? I think that some of them would say that. I think some of them would say, I'm from India, or I'm from... Bangladesh, or I'm from Egypt, or I'm from Mexico. And then they would say, I immigrated to the United States, and I now am an American. I think for us, there is no doubt that I am an American, and I think I am the first generation, and you are the first generation who can say that without a doubt. I think owning that is a very different ballgame. So, you know, I would just say, my, I, I beg to differ, but hey, like, I, I, don't, I'm not, I'm not, I, don't, I don't have degrees in this stuff. I didn't know who Abdul was when he called. I looked him up after we got off the phone. 
He was appointed public health director of Detroit six months ago. Abdul's an Oxford-educated medical doctor. I found a YouTube video of him when he was class speaker for the University of Michigan graduating class of 2007. What would college have been without packing into these seats on crisp Saturday afternoons to watch our boys in blue just obliterate whoever it was who wasn't lucky enough to be wearing the winged helmet. He talked about football, inside jokes about the cafeteria, stuff like that. Nothing about being Muslim or Egyptian-American. But in the video, Bill Clinton gets up right afterward and says this. I don't want to embarrass your senior speaker, but I wish every person in the world who believes that we are fated to have a clash of civilizations and cannot reach across the religious divides could have heard you speak today. I just wish every person in the world could have heard you speak today. Watching this got me thinking about how Van Tran would call Abdul second generation. But Abdul can't blend in. He couldn't be the senior speaker at his graduation without someone commenting on his ethnic heritage. I asked Abdul to call me back. He said he wasn't surprised that Clinton seemed to fixate on his religion and ethnic heritage. Abdul's used to people getting a little hung up on that. It's natural curiosity, he says, and he doesn't hold it against them. And he gave another example the way people ask him where he's from. Usually I'll say I'm from Detroit, and then the inevitable, no, 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 where are you from, from? And you're like, okay, oh, so, so, so you want me to otherize myself? Sure. So my family's Egyptian and or Arab American, depends. Uh, I get very different responses to Egyptian versus Arab. And then and then sometimes you get a, either a comment about, like, well, your English is fantastic. You're like, well, thank you, because I was born in Detroit. And or somebody will try and reach across the divide that they just created uh, by telling you about an experience they had with, you know, Middle Eastern food and or them or a friend having gone to Egypt. This happens to Abdul a lot, especially now he's a public health director and has to attend a lot of community meetings. He says he tries to address the where are you from question head on. You know, the, the, the reality is that when you're, in, and I'm sure you have the same experience, but when your name sounds a little bit funny and you happen to be a little bit darker than the median, you're always going to get that question, right? So it's just, it's fundamental to your experience. And that's where I was in my exploration of the term first generation when I met Eliza Dushku, who has just put out a new documentary on Albania. It's a visit from a man named Fadil Barisha that inspires my Albanian pilgrimage. Fadil is not only a successful photographer, he is also the ultimate Albanian ambassador uniting artists, singers, and talents throughout the world who share Albanian heritage, urging us to discover our roots. Fadil told me the land of my grandparents was calling for me, and also that Albanians considered me something of a hometown hero, along with the likes of Jim Belushi and Mother Teresa. It was time for me to dig deeper into my past, so I asked Eliza Dushku what she calls herself. Second generation. Okay. So my father was born here. He's first generation. I'm second generation. Did you know that that's not the academic definition? No, I did not. We were told that he was first generation American because he was born here yeah. and his parents were born there. Technically, the immigrants are the first generation, academically speaking. I have to go back and make a lot of it's a lot of clear clear things up. Um, now, now I know. I did not know that, but that's really interesting. Yeah, I know. Yeah. 
Did you feel different about being American after you went to Albania? I did, but I also got, I was granted my Albanian citizenship in the documentary. So I now have, I'm a dual, I, I'm a dual citizen. I have my Albanian and American passport. Everyone's like, your Albanian passport? You might not really get that much use out of. But, you know, I, I, I definitely kind of feel a responsibility. I was asked to be an ambassador for tourism and, and culture from the mayor and the, and the different ministries there and and so it's nice to finally have this project and show that that's something that's really meaningful to me and that it's something I take seriously and it's humbling and surreal to be able to represent my father and my grandparents and my Albanian ancestors in this way because of you know the fact that I had sort of fell into this business and now have a platform to display it on. So the children of immigrants have this thing where especially when they go back to the country, they, you always have this feeling, it could have been me. I could have very easily grown up there instead of here. Did you have that feeling at all? Yeah, I did, but I think more so I had this feeling of, there was this weird sense of that it felt like a second home and that for all the times that, you know, I mean, I just turned 35 and the last 10 years, there's been a lot of feeling, like angsty feelings of like, what am I doing with my life? And like, am I you know, what if everything goes to hell in a handbasket? And there was this sense of like, you know what? If, if, if everything goes to hell in a handbasket back home, I could always come here and like, I could have a life here. Like I, I felt a real, like I felt the sense that I was like amongst my peoples and that there was, there was a home for me there and there was a welcome. I don't know, I mean, maybe that's the, that's the closest I could, I could say. Cause I didn't really think you know, what if it could have been me so much as I felt it like something resonated with me on a deep level, which was like this earth, like this, these people, these faces, like I can, I feel resemblances and I, and that I never really felt growing up without so many Albanians around me, surrounding me. So in the documentary, you talk about like some of the ethics and stuff that you find there, just like how they think their sayings and stuff like that. Did that resonate with you? Yeah, I mean, there were there were kind of like characteristics, like Albanian characteristics and things that I went, yeah, I could see, I could see that. We came to learn about like the code of Besa. Um, Albania was one of the only countries during World War II that took in Jews and protected Jews, and you know would kind of make this promise to God that they would sacrifice their own lives or their own family to protect someone else and. That was really powerful to me, you know, and and so there were just there were little traits and characteristics and things that I that I learned about the Albanian people that I could identify with and 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 wonder perhaps if those were genetic, <laughs> or you might have learned them from your dad, right? Yeah, but I mean, again, I, I feel like my father really he and his family tried so hard to Americanize that they that they didn't as openly sort of embrace, but but I mean. Probably, yeah, they were things that I, that I learned from him unconsciously, perhaps, yeah. Did it make you feel closer to him? Yeah, it really did. One of my favorite parts of the documentary is when he reads the, the letter in the beginning. In 1991, when the borders of Albania were opened to travelers for the first time in 45 years, our father went to visit. It was a moving experience, both gratifying and shocking at the same time. In Tirana, I got to meet for the first time 
my loving uncle, Anasti Dushku, and his wonderful family. I'll never forget the look of surprise and joy when they answered my knock on their door. Even though I had written to them months earlier, they had not received my letter and were not expecting me. Looking at Ernesti standing at the open door in a t-shirt and pajama bottoms was as if I had aroused my own father. The resemblances were remarkable, and I was much taken by surprise. I mean, it's just, it's so moving for me. I just think about him as this little boy and growing up in Boston with his Albanianness and and not being able to kind of to spread his wings, this little eagle boy. <laughs> Do you think it's different now? Have you thought about that? If your dad came here now or was growing up here now, do you think he could have been more open about his Albanianness? Absolutely. I mean, we're we're just we've evolved into a much more diverse society and and I mean in in most places certainly in a place like Boston I would say it would have been very different for him today so for the people like your dad who are raising kids now mm-hmm. what would you have wanted him to pass down and teach you I've been hanging out with some Albanian families in the Bronx recently and through you know friends in, on the film and our partner, um, Fadil Barisha, who's a New York photographer, and, like, I love the way they raise their kids, like, they raise the kids to be, you know, like, obedient, but but kind of tough, you know, and, like, I, I just, I, there's a certain style that is, it's really Albanian, and I, I respect it, I think they're, I think they're good values, they're not, you know, there's no child abuse, it's not, you know, but... Kids need to need to not run the household, in my opinion, and and maybe people disagree with me, but I really respect and admire like having a an order within a within a family and having a tradition of like of respect and and respecting their elders and contributing to to the the work in the house and and then from that learning then how to be a hard worker and a member of society. I think those are, are important values that are, have somehow gotten lost in a lot of our, lot of our. So that's not necessarily an American thing to raise yeah. your kids that way. Um, I mean, what is American now? American is now so many different cultures. So I guess you can't really say it's not an American thing, but it's something that I admire from my Albanian friends and their tradition. Yeah. Did you have a point where you like discovered your dad was Albanian or did you always kind of know it and then you got interested in it? Oh, from when I was very young, I just remember him, you know, saying things, to, teaching us the saying, Rof Shiporia, Rof Shiporia, long live Albania, long live Albania. And then when we were kids on New Year's, we would make these spinach pies um, with phyllo dough. And my mother, her, you know, her memories of my Albanian grandmother would put we would wrap up coins in aluminum foil and hide them in the filling of the of the spinach pie and then have to put a sign there for people that were eating it saying like, you know, watch what you're eating because you don't want to break a tooth. But they were like these, you know, if you got the if you got the quarter, it was like 25 years of good luck. And, you know, they were just like these little things that as a kid were really powerful and meaningful to us as, as kids. And, and, you know, of these Albanian things, and and there are so many more of them that we're that we're learning that that I love, and I'm now 
you know, passing on to my niece and nephews and who are Albanian, Danish, Dominican. It's really special. I mean, that's what I, I think that finding out who we are and where we came from and how we're different and how we're like, you know, all those, that exploration is like what makes life interesting. In the beginning of the documentary and then when you were describing your niece and nephew, you say what their ethnicity is. Would you prefer to identify yourself like that rather than just American? It's a question that I find myself asking people like out of the gate. I think it's, um, again, I just think it's interesting. I was going to ask you what your, <laughs> I usually say like, what's your, what's your family background, you know? Because there's also, we also live in a day and age where people can be very sensitive and, pe- you know, you don't want to, you don't want to throw someone off and, and ask them anything that offends them. But I'm fascinated by where people come from and, and it's a big world out there. I've, I've always grown up traveling and, I, and, I, and I'm an actor and the thing that I think that I kind of tripped and fell into this business and never really planned on being an actor, but the thing that, that kept me loving it was that it's about people and it's about sharing people's stories and so I have to kind of be in the world hearing people's stories in order to tell them and so I, I like knowing where people's, what people's ethnic background or, or even what their ethnic identification is. Interesting. Yeah. South Indian. Raised in Iowa. Wow. See? That right there tells me that you could sit and tell me some crazy stories. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That form, you know, formed you. When I went back to India, I kind of felt like like a grasping American, like I was grasping it there and trying to claim something. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like that? Or did you feel like you had the right to, to claim that culture? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, the Albanians there were so enthusiastic to to show it to me and to and to pass it on to me. I mean, because without doing that, like the the traditions and the culture kind of die, right? So that was part of the the joy of this whole experience was like crossing the border from Kosovo back into the mountains in the north of Albania and like the dancers came out and they were like pulling us into the dance circles and you know teaching us the traditional shota and you know now I come home and I teach my my niece the shota. (laughs) Did it do anything for you? I mean you saw a bunch of people who looked very much like you. Yeah I mean it was it was surreal there was also a movie that came out I mean, I want to say probably like 20 years ago called La America. And I remember my mother taking my brothers and me to see that movie. And I remember her like crying and going, there's this scene at the end where the Albanians are like on this boat and they're kind of like climbing off the boat. My mother was like, I saw my children's faces in this movie. Like they were, I saw Aaron and Ben and Eliza. And so, yeah, having, I mean, being Albanian when they're, and now actually being home, I can tell pretty much I mean there's something in the eyes there's something I can be in a Starbucks and usually looking at someone and then hearing them say a few words I can go sheepdar and they'll go ah Bobo. and people get so excited because there's not that many of us I mean there are a lot of us but it's not something that you would typically you know identify or, or especially as a third generation Albanian that maybe I would catch on to but I love it it's really it's really cool to and I you know, only speak probably 15, 20 words in Albanian, but it's a pretty joyous occasion when I can, when I can pick out an Albanian in a coffee shop or an airport and, um, you know, chat. 
So that's what you think you're going to do? You're going to say third generation? I mean, it'll probably come out more. I, I, I guess I'm going to have to do some research on it and decide if I agree with this academic, um, <laughs> you know, challenge to what I've previously known. And then I'll form my, my stance from there. <laughs> I'm not really sure what I think either. I might just avoid using the term while I figure it out. Next time, we'll talk about how the children of immigrants surround themselves with really diverse people. Remember Abdul, the Detroit public health director? His wife is Indian American and his best friend is Korean American. There's a certain experience of having been uh, a first generation American that even independent of the national or ethnic background, of the other person. There's sort of an understanding. And there will be a cameo by my own best friend, one Ava Romero. We bond very strongly with people who are not of the same national origin or the same skin color or the same ethnicity. If you have stories about that you'd like to share, tweet me at OtherhoodPod. Thanks for listening. I'm Rupa Shanoi, and this has been Otherhood. Otherhood.